0: Love Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures, what I've left behind. I'm locked, I'm locked up done. in memories They all intertwine The memories In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that zone will come Good evening and welcome to the Stop Child Abuse Now show on the Vlog Talk Radio Network, sponsored by the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. My name is Bill Murray. I'll be your host this evening. I am a survivor of child abuse, and I'm the founder of NASCA, the organization that's putting these shows together. We do talk shows five nights a week, Monday through Friday, always at the same time, eight o'clock Eastern, so seven Central, six Mountain, uh, uh, and five, uh, six Central. No, seven. Here we go. Let me try it again. <laughs> eight Eastern. Seven Central, six Mountain, and five Pacific, but always at the same time zone, and uh, always at the same time, and always for 90 minutes. They have different formats, however. For the most part, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are reserved for special guests. Special guests are people from our own organization or outside our organization who have a desire to uh, come on the come on the radio and tell their story. Uh, they also are joined by uh, professional hosts, uh, semi-professional hosts, our own hosts, and um, and others who form a panel who uh, can interject a question or a comment throughout the show. And they, each each person on the panel uh, may have several opportunities to do so. We have the organiza- We have the uh, individual tell their story, what it was like for them in the past, how they were abused and so forth, what happened. Uh, the trauma that they experienced as they grew, and uh, what it's like now in recovery. How do they experience themselves now? How are they healing? What's that feel like? What is that like? And then we, um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, have uh, people who are committed to coming on as hyphenists. we call them. They are professionals and survivors both. They have profession, a profession in various uh, in various aspects, for example, they might be in the medical community, they might be in the religious community, they might be uh, therapists, they might be, um, uh, uh, you know, people who are um, who are working with children or something like that, and they're a survivor. And the reason we do that is because they they will speak a little bit about their own experience, um, not so much telling their story, although we have them do their story in a different way, a different day, but how they um, survived and in the, in the, in, 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 in their recovery. They're ready to answer any questions that come from the panel on that night. And so the topics are really, uh, they spring from the experience of our own, own survivors and the questions that they might bring up. Our mission statement is quite simple. We're all about child abuse, trauma, prevention, intervention, and recovery and here's how it reads. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to child abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as it's related to society getting over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, which is referred to as CSA presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. And two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. I founded NASCA myself. I am a survivor of child abuse. Uh, In my case, it was clergy abuse. Uh, uh, sexual abuse by clergy that lasted for about uh, six six or so years in my life, starting at age eleven, uh, and uh, I recovered at age uh, thirty. I started my recovery at age thirty, so now it's been about forty years since that day, and I'm in recovery a long, long time. Have been telling my story a long, long time, but I waited until I fulfilled the promise that I'd made myself that I would wait until my parents had passed on before I went very public with the story. This happened in 2000, well, my father passed in, in 1999, just, a, just, a, just short of the turn of the century. And my mother, uh, who was in Florida at the time, uh, died uh, after, well, she went into an Alzheimer's unit and then died about a year and a half after that. It was at the point that she went into the Alzheimer's unit, however, that I decided I was going to address NASCA and speak very publicly, very publicly, at that point. Uh, we've built this organization around the fact that um, we know how that there are a lot of people here who would like to have an organization like it. And I know this myself personally because I have searched for such a group, such an organization uh, for years, and I could not find it. NASCA, however, Fulfills the the need and desire I have had for many years, and it does so by uh, by having the the, the the theme that I just read for you, the mission that I just read for you, and that's very inclusive. In other words, uh, there are there are no limits to what you can do at NASCA. We don't limit the person who comes into NASCA by way of who they are and what they represent. Uh, we Offer recovery to people who have uh, survived any kind of child abuse, and uh, and we have as a result thousands of people follow NASCA. And in fact, on the radio show, we've done um, three thousand. Uh, let's see, three thousand fifty-nine shows. This is this is episode three zero five nine, and we've also done about six hundred and fifty shows under a different name not Stop Child Abuse Now, but Community Matters, which was the original name for the show that I that was doing uh, when I originally started. The original start of the mascot was around 2007, 8, 9, somewhere in there. When I, when I launched the show, I think it was around 2009, I'm not sure. But uh, the website itself has grown and grown and grown as have the needs of the community expressed themselves. And every time I found something that was necessary or needed or desired, I considered whether or not I could do it or not. And we we continually added module after module after module to the organization until it is today uh, a truly unique organization that has, we don't know how many people because uh, it has thousands though. Um, There are thousands for example in the Facebook group alone, I think there's 6,000 people there, plus there's a, a closed group with another, uh, well, some of the same same, same people, uh, and uh, uh, maybe a couple thousand in there, plus LinkedIn, plus, you know, other organizations, other things, and we don't know how many people have listened to the show either, although it's hundreds of thousands, we know that, uh, and they listen in two ways. They listen live on a night like tonight, and they may be out in the know, out in the community uh, and have, feel a need to check in with other survivors, and this is easy enough to do, you just call the dedicated number. That number, by the way, is 646-595-2118, 646-595-2118. And I would like to suggest that anybody who's heard that number now, give a call. We'll, we'll, take, we'll open up your mic and you will be able to share during this uh, show, uh, in any about anything you'd like. We'd, we'd like the first couple of people to suggest the topic that they wish uh, to us, and we will go off of that. But right now, uh, we are going to uh, use the topic of, of, of gratitude. This is Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving night, and so this is going to be a call and discussion on this special topic of gratitude with uh, me, the NASCA founder Bill Murray, and I'm going to field topics related to gratitude that will be brought to, to the episode by you, the listener. On these Thursdays and, and uh, Tuesdays, we welcome various co-hosts, as I said, survivor professionals, who assist in fielding questions and, and leading a variety of topics suggested by our call. And their trauma-informed perspectives as survivor professionals will help them guide discussions on issues of child abuse, and healthy human sexuality that spring from questions and topics brought to us by our listeners. Everyone's invited to engage on tonight's show, so please visit the NASCA.org website if you'd like to get some ideas of kinds of things that we would love to talk about. And as I said, any topic is fair as long as it relates to child abuse. We don't talk about outside issues. Uh, we don't talk about, for example, gun control laws or abortion rights or uh, being a Republican or a Democrat or anything else. Uh, everyone is invited to, to to become a member of the NASCA family by simply saying they are, and those people that join us uh, do so without any restrictions. There's no dues or fees for, for our membership. We're self-supporting to our own contributions, and indeed there is a, a link to our PayPal uh, payment program uh, on, the, on the front page of the website. But you can get, it, get to it, however, just by remembering the, the word contribute because NASCA.org is our website and slash contribute gets, it, gets you also to the, uh, to the PayPal page. Uh, and that's, that's all we do. We don't, um, we don't do any fundraising of any specific type. We don't do any grants. We don't, we don't belong to any other organization. We don't have any um, marketing. We don't sell advertising on our website or on a radio show, nothing at all. We're self-supporting to our own contributions. And uh, I think that's a really special thing. Uh, And uh, I am grateful that we we have been able to last this long, uh, years and years anyway, by uh, surviving on on our own, by not having to depend on anybody else. 2009 to now represents, what is that, uh, 11, 12, 13 years, 13, 14 years, and we're about to start another year. So, uh, you know, this is quite a while that we've been able to support ourselves through contributions there, mainly uh, $10 at a time, maybe $20 at, at a time, sometimes $5 at a time. But that's okay. That If you give us uh, – $10 at a time and you make it a monthly contribution, that really matters to us as far as being able to bring this organization to everybody else. Now the thing that makes us special, another, another thing that makes us special is we have no staff. We have no costs, virtually no costs. Obviously it costs something for the, for the website, just for the space um, and, uh, and the domain names, but um, it's minimal. And uh, we don't hire any – I'm the webmaster, so we don't hire any outside person to do that website. However, we rely on volunteers throughout the organization to put together the the different programs that I alluded to earlier, and maybe we'll talk about in a few minutes. Uh, And the same thing is true of uh, how we work. We're, We're all working from our own homes, on our own laptops, or our own cell phones, and there is no uh, office to maintain. There's no brick-and-mortar place. Uh, that, that We pay for, our own, obviously, our own offices in our own homes, and we pay for our own cell phone and all of that. So all of that is um, negligible. The cost of anything like that, the support of an ask organization is negligible. Sometimes we attend events, and you have to pay a little fee to set up a table at an event, and we'll do that sometimes. But for the most part, we, um, we go out to, to events to speak, and speaking costs nothing. We don't get any paid either for doing like that. But, you know, as I said, part of our mission is to, is to educate, to carry the message about how uh, child abuse uh, affects everyone throughout the world and in huge numbers. Uh, it, and if, you, if we present these facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic, uh, we think that this impresses people. In fact, we know it does. Uh, Everything we do, we know because we've experienced it ourselves. Many of our members experienced these things over and over and over. I certainly did, and I'm not alone in say It's a group effort that depends on the, the volunteers that step forward to fill the various roles that we have. Now, we have a need right now to have some volunteers come forward, and this would be in specific areas. But um, I'll I'll give you an idea of what we do. We're an organization that's filled with uh, needs, um, but most of them are being met by right now by NASCAR volunteers, and others are missing the commitment of somebody who uh, can fill them. We have a a board of five, and four out of five are filled. We have a board member that's um, missing, an open board seat that's open. Uh, we have a newsletter that needs a, an editor. Uh, we had the newsletter going for quite some time; and it was quite good, but we need a newsletter editor. We have um, outreach uh, people. We have um, promotions people who promote the, the, the organization. We have, um, we have we have uh, we have uh, uh, a, a lady in London, England, who manages our two most popular tools, and that would be the groups and services tool which lists every organization that we know of every brick and mortar organization that we know of throughout the, the, the world the english speaking world it's a big big list uh, and it's an interactive list where we ask people who know of something that might be missing from our list the rights to Carol Mojara, and she adds these things to uh, the tool and uh, every uh, every uh, every almost every well every week there's, Several uh, organizations that several yeah organizations that are added to a variety of states and countries, uh, and she has kept this list going for years. She's one of our most dedicated, and longest-lasting volunteers. We're extremely grateful to Carolyn. She she's um, in uh, in a, in a country town south of London, uh, and uh, in London, England, and we are you know indebted to her in many different ways. Uh, we have a blog that needs a blog master, someone to run it. Uh, we have a fan page in the in the uh, Facebook area, uh, Facebook uh, community, as well as an open group and a closed group. The open group is the one that I mentioned has about 6,000 people in it, perhaps. Closed group, uh, maybe a couple thousand. And uh, the fan page has a few thousand, too. Uh, the fan page, however, was set up by Carl Hart. Carl Hart was one of our organization's volunteers from some time ago. Um, he no longer is active-active, but he keeps the fan page going, and it's it's done very well over the years. We have uh, Toronto's, a Toronto volunteer who does outreach to the Muslim and Arab-speaking community. We have um, outreach to, to the Asian community. We have uh, uh, outreach to young adults. Uh, from a couple of people who are younger, uh, and they they try to to encourage young adults to uh, join our organization. We have someone who who reaches out to veterans, cops, and PTSD survivors. We have outreach to Boy Scout survivors. Of course, we know that there was a a, a big, big group of Boy Scouts who had had, um, been abused over the years, and no one had done anything about it. And then we have what we call a blue ribbon campaign. Blue ribbon campaign is quite a, it's quite a thing. It's not been active least recently, but we've had it for years. The blue ribbon that you can wear on your lapel or or your blouse uh, is the color of, of child abuse. It's acknowledging that I am someone that understands uh, and works on, in the child abuse arena. And it, it is... Um, a royal blue, Royal blue, so we have uh, this ri- this ribbon campaign where we send out cards and ribbons to uh, to, to groups of people only when they are. Most of that is in April because April is the month of child abuse awareness and and child abuse awareness, of course, is a good place for us to pass out these ribbons. There are events in April that are special because they don't occur in other parts of the, uh, the of the year. But they do in all through April, and you will see people perhaps wearing these ribbons, or maybe you'd like to have some ribbons. But we need a manager of that or that uh, as well. So there, there are lots of things, of course, that are going on here. We have hosts for these groups, for these meetings that were, that were, uh, you know radio shows that we're talking about. We also have a Zoom, or, uh, a, an organized Zoom meeting. We call it the recovery group. But it's uh, it's held three times a week, at, uh, at two o'clock Eastern. So that's again, one Central, uh, noon Mountain, and eleven Pacific. Lasts for ninety minutes as well. And this is a Zoom meeting where you you can be on camera. And we just had one today that attracted uh, five or six people. And it's uh, it is not recorded. It's not recorded because we know that there are people who are sensitive to the fact that they're be sharing something in a group like that that they don't want to be uh public knowledge and we we uh, uh help them uh by by insisting that that these groups stay not recorded and um unlike the show that I'm on tonight which is a talk show talk shows are recorded and there's a long list of them uh in our our current schedule, which serves as a library for all the shows we've done all the way back to 2009, and um, and we're we're pretty proud of that. Um, we have uh, a lot of other things. We have an Ask in Spanish on Facebook. We have uh, calls for volunteers. As I said, um, we we uh, want uh, people to know that we're um, available. You know, pretty much all the time. We don't have a hotline. We have uh, quite a number of volunteers who put their names in the in the public domain so that um if you need to speak to somebody, you can do so by simply calling their phone numbers they put their name their phone number their email address, their location rough location uh, the, the, the city and the, and the and the state that they're from, and you can call any of them any anytime it's probably 30 or more on the contact list, and there's, there's plenty more on the volunteer list. Um, and, and every one of them gives us permission to share their contact information with the public. And why do we do that? Because we know that there are times when somebody needs to speak to somebody else and they're not ready, perhaps, to speak on a public forum like this radio show. But they can, over time, refer to the, the lists and call people, and over uh, over a period of time, they will find people that they really can have a relationship with, and um, they become sort of the person's uh, closer member. We, we call this, by the way, the Nazca family. So the people that are um, that we that we have become familiar with, we, we might refer to them as our uh, our close NASCAR family member, and. Uh, there are people that you might not like on these lists, but there are plenty that you would like, and it's those people that you continue to call and build up a relationship with. There's another thing that's a hallmark of child abuse and its trauma is our isolation, and indeed our secrecy in keeping our, the story of our lives to ourselves, and our desire is to never have to share them again, but that's not realistic. We wanna recover, we have to share them again, and um we and it doesn't matter how long it's been since you were abused. A lot of people wait for decades before they bring up their story. So we believe in people bringing up their story uh, in age in age not age in, in in situational appropriate ways where they're talking to someone who's trauma informed It could be a fellow survivor, but it could also be a therapist who's trauma trained or it could be a, a life coach who has trauma in his or her background. Uh, it could be um, someone who does a 12-step program uh, to, and recovers that way. There are lots of ways to recover, and we we actually promote them all. We don't say you have to do this and you have to do that, which is one of the things I found annoying with some of the groups that I found when I was setting this up 15 years ago. Uh, I did not want to be told what to do and have to do. I wanted to have an openness, and that's what NASCA does. It allows you to recover in any way you want. So we don't tell people how they have to recover. We talk about all the recovery styles there are and describe them each to the person, and, um, and and, and we encourage them to choose whichever one seems appropriate to them at the time. Now, these extend as far as things like art therapy and animal therapy, and EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization, and of course psychiatry, which is usually some kind of therapy that's assisted by uh, by medical by a medical professional. It's always a medical professional who will uh, suggest medications that can be taken by the patient, uh, the client, and so forth. So, we, if that's what you want to do and you're doing it in, with guidance of a of a therapist, of a professional, that's fine with us. We simply want you to get started on the road to recovery. Um, other things that we have are um, we have a variety of people who host these shows. They're all available for you. We have, um, let's see, talk show participants that are regular, and we'd like you to meet them too. Uh, I just was delighted to have uh, Victoria Kelly, who is from Minnesota. Join me on the on the scan show the, the recovery meeting, excuse me on the on the Zoom show, recovery meeting, and um, and also Gadon Raz, who is from Israel, Israel, he's from Jerusalem, and he's he joined us today as well, because you know if you're awake, that's about the only thing you have to worry about. You can call anybody on the list, and if you're awake and they're awake, that's fair, and you can call in and and get. Um, and get to know these people. So the point is that there's an awful lot to us, and uh, we are really happy to have uh, organizations that uh, can can assist us, and individuals who will volunteer for us, and you know to um, to run these shows, to do all the um, all the um, all the organization's work, and um, so. We're really happy to uh, to do this show tonight. And as I said, this show tonight is going to be dedicated to one issue to begin with, and we'll see where it goes from there. The issue that we're going to start with is gratitude. It's Thanksgiving Day. And on Thanksgiving Day, we generally have opportunity to um, typically to meet with our families and have uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Our families and friends gather at a big table and so forth. Well, it's also one of the most volatile points for a child abuse survivor to to go, to be at. The, the volatility of the, of the uh, group includes at, this, at, the, at the Thanksgiving table may or may not include their own predator because 60% of the time the predator that a child has comes from their own family. Or their extended things, and uh, it's really tough to um, to sit at the same table with the person who knows your story, who obviously it, and you who know who they are, and it's very tough to be comfortable. So we provide something on every holiday show on every holiday that uh, a person can join, and in joining the show, they can get out of themselves and into something that's really uh, effective in being able to share in an appropriate way, and to avoid those horrible situations where you're sitting in in a group with uh, either your story that's not believed by people around the table, because you've tried to share it, or because there might be somebody at the table who is one of your predators. And by the way, a person can have multiple predators. I did, Uh, and and it, it it was a fact that I was abused by one person originally, and then I was kind of passed on from person to person to person. And, again, this was starting at 11 years old. You don't have any control at 11 years old of what happens to you, but you think you do. As you grow older, you feel responsible. You feel ashamed. You might feel angry. Of course, you'd be angry. Uh, and you feel different than everybody else. You're worried that if you bring out your story, you're going to be judged. But, however, we want you to know uh, that – there is no child who is responsible for child abuse in fact child abuse we're talking about child sexual abuse for example it's a criminal act all of all, every uh action of a child abuse uh, victim uh is is a criminal act that's been has been put on them by their predators their sex their uh their their uh their child abuse uh, persons and we um want the child to know it's never their fault but nobody nobody knows that at first almost all of us believe that somehow we were responsible for what happened but we didn't get out of it fast enough or whatever the reason is. and um because of that we um you know we're afraid to share our story but we're, we're here to tell you tonight as well that uh this is not your fault that uh Child abuse is always the responsibility of the adults in the situation, never the child. Regardless of that, children feel responsible. They also think they're the only one. Uh, But we have discovered there are, well, the numbers are amazing. There are something like 60 million American adults who experience child abuse in their youth. This is about uh, the, the number of a one in five people, or four people, or three people. We're not sure exactly because it's hard to predict the exact, any exact number, but we know the rough numbers, and the rough numbers are millions and millions and millions, it's a big percentage of the population. And as I said, there are, um, there are people from uh, multiple walks of life and who are abused in various ways. The uh, one way is by their, uh, I mentioned already, by their own family or their extended family, like, oh, mother's new boyfriend. Uh, And then there are people who are abused by folks they know in the course of their life but are not family members. Perhaps the teacher, a a Boy Scout master, I mentioned that before, a priest, uh, camp counselor, uh, babysitter, there are on and on teachers, you know, on and on and on there are examples of kinds of people who um, who affect us as, as abusers. And that, that, that group that I'm talking about, which includes uh, family members and other people that we know and trust, is 93% of the abusers in the world. Only 7% of the abusers in the world are actually strangers. And yet, the only thing we really teach children is stranger danger. We taught them not to talk to strangers, not to take a ride from strangers, so forth. But it's actually the people who they know, um, who our family knows, who will take advantage of a child. My case, it was a, it was priests and brothers in the Catholic Church. My parents knew them very well. and And I knew that my parents knew them, yet I couldn't tell my parents, what was going on? I was too embarrassed, and I was too broken, and I didn't know what it meant if I was going to come forward and tell them what had happened to me. Uh, so I didn't, and it took a long time before I came forward. And you know, and we all have different ways that we deal with it, and they're uh, mostly in, inappropriate ways that we deal with it. In my case, it was the, the use of drugs and alcohol. That I began as soon as I got out of high school because I was at a high school that was extremely restrictive. In fact, it was a minor seminary where I attended for four years thinking I might consider becoming a priest. Well, I didn't become a priest, so I went on to a secular university, the University of Toronto. And what I learned in Toronto was how to drink <laughs> and uh, and how to play guitar pretty much and, uh, and really almost nothing else. So I came out of Toronto after years, um, being a, a real lush, because I never drank uh, socially. It was always an escape for me. It was a way to fix how I felt. It was a, a, a badge, a, a patch over my brokenness. And later, when it became obvious that drugs and alcohol, drugs were, were available and alcohol was not working so much anymore, I began to use drugs as well. And from that point on, I was, I'd say, a chemist. I added this and I added that and I tried this and I tried that and I did that for the next 10 or 12 years and I ended up in 1930, uh, in, uh, excuse me, yeah, 1983, 30 years ago, 30, uh, when I was 30 years old, I'm sorry, (laughs) Um, uh, getting sober in Alcoholics Anonymous. This is how I did it. And in Alcoholics Anonymous I was uh, shocked to know. How many alcoholics there were, certainly. How many drug addicts there were, certainly. But also I related it to my child abuse, and I was shocked to understand how many people were suffering in silence because they were keeping the secret. And child abuse recovery demands being uh, honest and open with at least uh, one person. Maybe it's your therapist. Maybe it's a friend who also is a survivor. Maybe it's a life coach. But somebody who knows what they're talking about, and generally speaking, we Prefer to steer people towards others who have been in recovery for some time and are now available to uh, help others to do so. In fact, that's what NASCA is about. It's one survivor talking to another, uh, supporting another in all kinds of formats. Of course, as I said, and when we do that, we um, we are we are passing passing on, reaching out uh, to new people. We're passing on the the gift that was given to us as a survivor, and um, that's how it is. We put it, we pass it, push it forward. What's it called? Uh, bring it forward, pass it forward. Um, and in doing so, our our group of people who are in recovery grows and grows and grows. There's never enough, though, because children are abused at that huge rate that I just talked about. About one in four of children will experience child sexual abuse or or violent abuse or uh, emotional trauma or neglect. And in any case, no matter what of those things you experience, and some of us experience all four or any combination of the four, you are eligible for for NASCA uh, once you're an adult. We don't work with children. That's because we have to have people uh, meet certified and, and have background checks done and fingerprinting done and all that stuff. Uh, we can't guarantee that all our members would do that. So we limit ourselves to working with adults because adults who come forward, anybody can work with adults, and that's why we, we are the adult survivors of child abuse, not the child survivors. However, what we do there is we share with the, the teachers and the, and the professionals who work with children and share with them what it was like for us. So they get a good idea of what you know approach they should take uh, when they're working with children themselves, and in doing so, they discover new techniques and, and so forth, and they pass on you know a good a, a good sense of who a person is, a child is, what they might need, and how to re- how they can steer the child in the right direction. And these people are folks that have the background checks and the training and the security and so forth. and you know, and so they are how we share with children. We don't share directly. In other words, we share through their teachers and their coaches and their therapists. However, we have um, any, any you know any survivor who's an adult who comes forward. Uh, we are allowed to work with because they're an adult. It's their decision, and um, and as a result, we have truly thousands of of uh, NASCA members, members of the NASCA family, and. Um, you know we're we're really grateful for every one of them. And come forward to to, um, to test the waters of their own recovery, and when they do that, they often find that um, that, uh, that that they they are able to recover themselves, and we are delighted to help them. They're not doing it alone. They do it with our help, and we do it with their help. Because frankly, you're in recovery. Uh, you, you probably want um, to have help and you want to eventually to help yourself uh, with newcomers especially who come into the organization. So this is what we do. Uh, by the way, let me pause for a moment again and to, to remind you that this is a call-in discussion show. Uh, we will have the special topic gratitude throughout the night, but we can also field co- topics that are related to anything regarding child abuse, and Trauma, it's prevention intervention and recovery that are brought to you by, the, by by brought to the episode by you the listener the number to dial is 646 595 2118 646 595 2118 by the way that is the same phone number that we use every night on our shows. So if you write it down tonight, be, you will have it to use um, five nights a week. They say Monday through Friday at 8 Eastern Five Pacific. And we do these shows for 90 minutes. So ample amount of time to participate at NASA in a variety of ways. Um, the Zoom meeting you'll find the information for on the front page of the NASCA website, which is nasca.org, NAA sda.org uh, and, and towards the bottom of the front page there's a, an id number for the zoom meeting that's held on sundays tuesdays and thursdays at 2 p.m eastern so 11 o'clock uh, pacific and then there's the, the if you go there and you put in the meeting id number it'll take you directly to the meeting uh, and you'll be able to participate in that which is more like a recovery group than, than a talk show. Uh, and you, it, will, it will be led, moderated by fellow survivors as well. In fact, I moderated the one uh, today at thir- on Thursday, and we had five or six members in attendance. So it was, a, it was a great opportunity to say hello to each other and to welcome people who were newer uh, and, and, you know, and to identify folks that have been around NASCA for a while and were willing to help others. So what else can I tell you about? The topic of gratitude I'm going to talk about now, I thought was a good one for Thanksgiving Day. You know, it's tough to visit your family uh, or to do a Thanksgiving Day for your family if you're a survivor of child abuse, and especially if you're still keeping the secret. Because you know the secret, and perhaps a couple of your family members might know the secret, certainly if your predator is among your family, he or she will know the secret. Uh, and it's really tough to be in the same room with someone like that. So most people uh, are, are um, likely to st- to stay alone, to find other ways that they can deal with it. Um, there's a lot of uh, separateness that's um, deliberately done by survivors who are not in recovery yet to put distance between themselves and their predators. Uh, today I'm grateful to tell you that the um, that is not necessary as a matter of fact NASCA itself runs a meeting uh, every Thursday that uh, there's that a Thanksgiving day and runs a, a, a talk show this show uh, every night that there's a Thanksgiving day in other words we don't take the day off we don't take any days off Monday through Friday if there's this if, if it fits our schedule um it's open, the the talk show is open, and gratitude is usually the topic that I bring up on a uh, a Thursday show, on a Thanksgiving Day show, because it's kind of central to the theme of Thanksgiving, Uh, being being thankful, grateful for what's in our lives. So I'll mention a couple of things that I'm grateful for, and in the meantime, invite you to call in and Perhaps you can add on to the list with things that you're grateful for. i don't have to be grateful for the same things, of course, either. But the number, again, is 646-595-2118. So among the things that I'm grateful for is my recovery itself, because I feel uh, 100% different than I did when I first came to recovery. My, um, my life had been beat up badly. In the, in the years that I was abused, and I had gone off on the wrong path, I'd gone off on, on the path of destruction of myself. Uh, I had very little self-esteem. Uh, I had I was really angry. Uh, I was confused. I felt um, not responsible so much, but um, you know I did feel re- responsible in the sense that I hadn't quote done anything about it unquote. <laughs> Uh, Although I had told my parents when I was in my 20s what had occurred to me, but it was already too late uh, to to affect much. And the psychiatrist's office that I told the story in uh, was chosen by by me as a neutral place where my parents didn't know him and I didn't know him. And I was able to tell my story in an environment where there was a medical person that shrink himself in case my father A heart attack, you know, a tremendous reaction to it, and he nearly did. He was shocked, and so was my mother. But this, the psychiatrists in those days, really did not even understand that little boys could be abused. This was this is only recently a phenomenon that we've become familiar with, although we've known it. But the met the uh, therapist community in any way has acknowledged and has built, uh, you know, some tools for men. Who were abused as boys, uh, just as there are there have always been uh, some organizations and some groups that support women who were abused when they were girls. Um, but back then, in the 80s, there was no such knowledge, no such uh, uh, belief system that little boys were being abused at almost the same rate as girls. It was a hidden a hidden phenomenon. Family needed to come out. But anytime you brought it out, since there weren't other survivors who were who were um, boarding you or trained psychiatrists, trained therapists, trained uh, psychologists uh, who got this training through school uh, through getting their degree, didn't exist, and so anybody could hand out a uh, hangout, a shingle, for example, declaring that they were a psychologist, and yet there was almost no experience in. What do you do uh, in recognizing uh, the trauma of child abuse and and how can you uh, help a child abuse victim heal? So people who had uh, had therapists back in those days, they would bring up some of the topics that we're talking about tonight and they would get answers that were way off base and they didn't understand why. And the therapists, frankly, didn't understand why. It was because there is very little thought in schools about this, and it's a specific track now. Many of the larger universities uh, who have psychology departments will, will, will include uh, a part of that track as uh, as as trauma training, for, and uh, that really means that they're um, they're being taught, uh, perhaps as a specialty even, that uh, child abuse uh, needs to be dealt with as a separate issue than, for example, domestic violence or uh, ADHD or whatever those things are. Um, but child abuse itself has a specific set of problems, and as a result, has a specific set of, uh, of responses, of, of answers. Um, so I'm grateful for the fact that uh, there has been over the last 40 years, certainly uh, the 25 of those 40 years, <laughs> before there was a sense of the need to support young men who were coming forward having been abused as a child. And I'm um, really glad that we've uh, come a long way in able to, being able to support men. Now, I want to say this is not a specialty issue. It's not about men. It's not about women. And it's not about Catholics, and it's not about Jews. You know, it's not about Protestants, and it's not about uh, uh, Republicans or Democrats, there are people from every walk of life, every ethnic background, every religious background who are abused and pretty much the same numbers. Although in certain cases, there are small groups of people who are abused at a higher number. The fact is that a great number of people are abused and, we, and they've been doing it. They've been doing their uh, life after abuse in, in a traumatic way. Uh, by living it in secret. Now they don't have to. Now there are enough people who are, uh, who are available, masks is filled with them, share with you uh, to hear your story and say back, yes, I know what you mean, what happened to me too. And when they do that, it's often the first time that a survivor who's a newcomer has a sense that they're not alone, that there are other people who have experienced what they've experienced, because frequently we feel we're alone that there's nothing we can do about it, and that's not true. We can uh, do a lot of things about it. The most important thing, perhaps, is to tell our story to an appropriate person or group of people, but tell our story uh, and get rid of the secret. Secret is one of the worst parts of of child abuse, and it's a very common experience to want to do, keep the secret, and we need to get over it. It is the problem. And you know that means that the flip side of that, meaning the telling of the story, the giving up of the secret, is a big part. Excuse me, a big part of the healing, of the beginning of the healing, anyway. And when you do that, you you might almost instantly feel uh, some amount of the weight on your shoulders being lifted. Now it belongs to not just you, but you've given it over to the group. and a little bit at a time, you've exposed yourself, and, and you've found out that in doing so, you don't get thrown away. You don't get judged. You don't get told that you're wrong. You don't get, you get, you don't get told to grow out of it, you get over it. it. And these are things that are horrifying for child abuse victims to hear, but we hear them all the time. We share our story, and people don't understand it all. And out of that misunderstanding, they say, well, it's been so long. You can just stop thinking about it. Well, you can't stop thinking about it, and you can't <clears> – <throat> it's not about making a decision. I was sharing today in the recovery group that think your way into recovery, but you can act your way into recovery, and acting is what we do here. We don't sit around and think about it. It's sitting around and think about it may be counterintuitive um, to our own, re- own recovery because – it uh, it kind of kind of messes up our mind. In fact, where does the disease, if you want to call it that, where does the problem live? It, it lives in our brain, and in our brain, um, it has been affected since we were children by a series of things that have occurred to us that are abuses that have rewired our brain. Frankly, uh, you know, you may or may not know that child's brain continues to grow throughout all of childhood and into the mid mid twenties, and so, basically, 100% of the time that you're experiencing your childhood, your brain is growing, it's, it's developing. And if you're an abused child who, is, like in my case, was abused at 11, or like some other people who were abused at 6 or 3, started there, uh, your brain never gets a chance to uh, mature in the normal way. In fact, you can see uh, the dramatic difference between the the brain scan of a person who was a survivor uh, of child abuse and one who was a normal person who didn't experience child abuse. It's, It's obvious. There are certain parts of the brain that don't develop, and there are certain parts of the brain that develop too long, too hard, too big. And there are certain parts of the brain that never get an opportunity to talk to other parts that they're supposed to. And because of all this, our brain develops on a very different level than the normal person, the person that was brought up in a nurtured home never had to deal with child abuse it's uh, you can see it on the cat scan but you can also see it when you share with them um, and they uh and they share back what's what's happening with them if they're honest they will tell you that they were uh, in fear uh they were in they were self-judgment all the time they were angry uh, maybe horrifyingly angry like enraged i was with what had happened to them and um these are the things that are universal with us, not the facts, not that even the way we were abused, uh, certainly not the facts of the way that we were abused, but the experience of trauma, which is not what happened to us, but how we reacted to it as, as uh, you know, teenagers, young adults, and now into adulthood, that's trauma. And trauma is a very common, almost universal experience in terms of how we feel. The decisions we make, um, the choices we make, our relationships are are soured by it. Uh, We we have a lot of trouble uh, imagining ourselves as good enough. Some people actually feel on the other spectrum that they are far superior to anybody else. Neither one is true. (laughs) Uh, but, um, But the point is that trauma is not the child abuse itself. It's the reaction that we have to the child abuse as we grow. If we grow with a brain that's broken, I want to call it that, um, then what we have to do is we have to try and repair brain. And this is possible to do. Hold on a second. Let me take a sip of this. Ah, Gatorade. Some of these victims uh, who work on themselves, over time, they repair. At least some of the brain, um, and what do I mean by repair? How I mentioned I mentioned earlier that um, the brain uh, doesn't doesn't relate to itself. The correct parts don't, replace, re, don't relate to the correct parts. In other words, kind of like the we're short circuited with our, our our nerves that are supposed to connect to one place, they connect to another. Um, some centers of our brain are overgrown or undergrown. But as we correct how our thinking should be, they will, over time, slowly, but over time, they will uh, actually heal. And we can develop um, space in our brain to do the, uh, the, 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 the tasks that we should have been able to do from the beginning, but weren't able to do because our brain is not like the normal person. Um, we find that people in recovery, well, again, over time, Um, have better relationships. Sometimes it takes two or three tries, but they eventually do. They have better relationships with their children, their own children, perhaps with their parents, um, certainly with uh, the world world around them. And they find that they are uh, able to have more self-esteem than they had before, uh, a lot more. And if you stay around... Um, for uh, you know t- year after year after year it eventually becomes a decade and then it becomes two and so forth. The longer you stay around the longer you work on yourself, the better you are and the closer you become to uh, the way you should have been able to act uh, but but it was interrupted by the trauma that you experienced as a child. Um, you will um, begin to build, a, a new foundation for your life and it's kind of like um it's kind of like the the kind of foundation I'm talking about is uh you know we we should have a solid foundation under ourselves and then put the experiences that we uh go through on top of that sound from foundation but if our if our foundation was not sound and our experiences are put on top of it, then they crumble and they crush and they fall over um, this is what a a a child abuse trauma victim experiences. that Our foundations are broken, so are all our experiences broken? But in fact, we may uh, not even know of some of them, or if we do, we may hide them in a closet, closet being the place that we place our memories that we're not proud of and we don't want other people to know about. And at some point in our recovery, something may occur. It's called a trigger. Uh, Something will occur that starts us to consider that we might be a little different than other people. And if we realize there is that closet and it has a lot of things inside of it, we don't want you to throw the closet door open because it will crush you. <laughs> Everything that's in that closet is going to fall down on top of you. But we do want you to know that it's quite common for us, for those of us who are having renewed memories, for example, to, especially if they're guided, you open the door a little bit, thing or two out at a time, close the door again, uh, and examine the thing that you brought out and deal with it. And then, when you're ready, open the door again, take something else out, and so forth. So gently, uh, you uh, begin to empty the closet of things that you were in denial about before, and you may not even have known that you were in denial before. Quite common for us to have uh, re- repressed memories, even um, and. That was something that people did not believe in at one point, but we do pretty much now. Almost everybody understands that um, these uh, trauma experiences that we try to keep hidden, some of them are hidden from ourselves, too, and those are the things that we recover, the memories we recover. Um, and so, you know, you want to get them out. You want to share them with somebody else. You want to share them in a group. Group settings, by the way, are an excellent way to recover because you find out you're not alone. Not just you and one other person. It's you and twenty other people, or a hundred people, or whatever it is, who are having similar experiences and therefore can have similar recoveries. You can have similar experiences, not only in in trauma but also in recovery. And, uh, and that means that there uh, uh, these these meetings, these shows that we're having, these you know conventions that are held, uh, these events that we have are uh, really important for us to attend because of that. It tells us that we're not alone. And we, and we frankly, will never be alone as long as we keep showing up and we keep holding our hand out to the newcomer behind us. Then we will, we will experience being in the middle of the recovery group, not at the top and not at the bottom, but in the middle, where it's appropriate for us to be, um, helping other survivors, to the gain themselves and, and recover and heal themselves. Um, if you'd like to call in and bring up any of the topics that you'd like to perhaps ask about child abuse itself or the special topic tonight, which is gratitude, please do f- do feel free to call in. I'm the NASCA's, fa- NASCA's founder, Bill Murray, and I'll be happy to field topics related to gratitude or anything else that, that is a child abuse issue brought to the episode by you, the listener. The number to dial is 646-595-2118. 646-595-2118. Uh, that is a phone number that's dedicated to all our shows. Uh, over 3,000 of them now have been done through that using that number. They're all recorded in our library, and you can go back all the way to 2009 and even before and select the show that you want to hear, click on it, and it'll play for you. So they're all recorded. Uh, and there's a nice-sized description of each show, uh, which we call the bio or the, or the show description, that tells you what you will probably experience if you click on that show. Um, some are individuals who are uh, telling their story, so, that, so the bio is truly a bio. It's a description to some, to some degree of what they've gone through in their life. And these bios are, frankly, uh, often you know, filled with information about the survivor themselves. (coughs) Or they might be about special topics like tonight's show is a little different, special topic being gratitude. But in any case, you know ahead of time what's going to be discussed, and you know after the fact that because these bios travel along with the recorded show, uh, what you would experience or perhaps experience if you click on the show and have it play for you in the future. It takes only... I think about 20 or 30 minutes for a finished show uh, to go off the air and be uh, and, and be, uh, become a, a, re- a recorded show in the right format for a recorded show. And after that 20 minutes, stays that way forever. You can even download some of these if you want. You do a show here. Of course, it's your show. It's our show too, but it's your show. If you tell your story. Uh, you can... You can use the link from our groups to put on, for example, your Facebook page, or or your website, or in a, in a bio that you've written about yourself, biography. A lot of people do write uh, about their stories, and um, this can be a way that you can get your thoughts out and put them down on on, on a radio show, uh, so that they're a little more organized. And actually. If you tell the story the second time a year later and the third time two years later, it, you will find it easier and easier to tell your story, and you will be amazed at the growth you've had in yourself in that year and two years and three years. You'll be amazed. We all are. Uh, this is a common, common, common experience, uh, and people are really grateful that uh, they've been given the opportunity to tell their story, uh, and, and and in, in turn. Um, You know, be able to turn other people on to the NASCA organization and its shows. And they'll already have a pre-recorded version of um, who they are and what they do. Now, here's another thing you should know. We have people who are active in a variety of different ways. Some people have their own organizations, and that's fine. Some people go back to the kind of organization that's devoted only to one specific type of person or group, and that's fine. Well, we don't do that here. So if you have, uh, like, if you have a Christian background and part of your uh, recovery is Christianity, that's fine with us. But it's also fine with us if you have a Jewish background and part of your recovery is a Jewish experience, or a Muslim experience, or a Zen experience. Um, we don't care if people are white, blue, green, orange, black, you know, or purple. Um, because all those people are, are eligible for child abuse uh, and therefore are eligible for recovery and therefore are eligible for NASCA. NASCA is a group that has no, um, no limitations on who you are. If you've experienced child abuse, you're in. And you're in by simply saying, I'm a member of NASCA. You don't register. You don't pay any dues, no fees. Uh, you just, it's self-declared. That you're a child abuse victim and you're a member of NASA. Um so that's 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 okay too. But many people uh, started to say, <coughs> start their own sense of themselves, uh, and a lot of a lot of those people write a book, write the the, uh, the story of their life, um, and I've not done that myself, but many have, and they um, they want to share. Uh, their, their life in a written format, and they provide these books and maybe sell them on uh, Amazon and so forth to, uh, to to fellow newcomer survivors by way of explaining how they have recovered and and what their story was to begin with. So we do uh, want you to know that there are people that do this. There are people that do artwork that is based on the experience they're having in recovery, uh, and, and they share that, maybe they sell that. There are people who write poetry. There are people who, of course, many of us speak at meetings or speak at events. Uh, and uh, many of us who are uh, trauma-trained are in the medical community. Well, I should say that in the uh, mental uh, community, mental uh, health community. And health care means it could be you know, officially um, people with degrees and so forth and experiences that are book-read and taught in the classroom. Or they could be people who who have have learned what they've learned through their own experience. And some of those become what we call, and I've mentioned this before, life coaches. A life coach is not somebody who went to a traditional school necessarily, but has um, uh, to, has a lot to offer. They're, they're in recovery a long time, and they uh, – Assist people, they have clients, they assist people in uh, learning the trials and tribulations of being a child abuse victim who is traumatized, and they share their own ways, usually, of how they've recovered and they offer it to, uh, in effect, their clients. Um, there is such a thing as animal therapy. I mentioned this before, too. Animal therapy is wonderful, especially for kids, but it's also good for adults um, who need to work with another uh, living being that they can begin to trust. Now, maybe they can't trust people, but they can trust a dog or they can trust a horse or whatever animal they're working with. You know, I, I, I'm a big animal lover myself, and uh, we have what are called recovery animals, so <laughs> uh, and they're they're almost they are service dogs. There you can actually get a um, certificate that declares your pet um, to be a service dog in terms of reducing the trauma that you feel as you travel around with that dog, and that is uh, an official thing. You, you can fly on a plane with a trauma dog, and you'll um, still be charged something for <laughs> the flight. But the the dog, for example, might be able to. If it's small enough, anyway, travel in the cab, in the cab, in the cabin, in a small bag or something, right at your feet. Well, we've done that, my wife and I, many times. Our dog is a trauma dog, although we don't really need it uh, for that. We, we just love the animal, and it's obvious that he loves us. And you know, that's very nice to have a relationship with a living thing that is so grateful to, to have you in their life. Um, and so, I, we do believe in. A trauma therapy that relates to animal therapy. Uh, it doesn't it can be any kind of animal. Horses are very effective too, but of course not everybody can have a horse in their backyard. Um, but there are organizations and, and even camps that you can attend for periods of time where the horses are are um, there for therapy. You again, you know, a horse is a couple thousand pounds of <laughs> of, of animal so you have to learn how to trust the horse, and the horse has to learn how to trust you to be safe. <clears throat> but I have to tell you, I, I am familiar with horses. Since I was about five or six years old, I was around horses, and they are—they are almost—they're almost, they're close to being the uh, same kind of animal as a dog in that they relate to you, they know how you feel, they can—they uh, can—they can act according to how they. Perceive you that day. Uh, They know your car driving up. You know, (laughs) just like a dog would. Uh, They know they're very similar on on many planes as a dog, except you can't put them in your house uh, or your car. So, but but the point is that there are therapies that relate to animals, to music. Music therapy is very effective too. uh, To writing, to poetry. Uh, I know I'm missing several, but I just want to give you an idea that this field is not limited. It's open, 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 and it's growing bigger all the time. There are many, many reasons that I would recommend someone indulge in the issue of healing themselves, and we'll we will help them by explaining the various things that we know of or experience, and it'll be up to them. We won't force you to do anything in particular, but it'll be up to you but we will be happy to share our own experience, strength, and hope and suggest that if you do things that are similar to what we've done, you're going to have similar experiences to the ones that we've had. And that's as simple as it gets. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, we have to believe, kind of take a little leap of faith at the beginning that we're not going to be judged uh, in in an organization like NASCAR. We're not going to be thrown away. We're not going to be told to go away or to stop thinking about it. These are maddening ideas, really crazy ideas, tell a survivor, because there's no way you can't think about it. There's no way. And uh, normies, normal people who don't understand that, they never will understand it. But those of us who are survivors of child abuse instantly understand it and identify with each other, uh, that there are certain topics that we have to keep in the forefront, and we have to keep going over and over and over in order to grow and uh, and to heal over time. The number to dial I'll tell you for the last time with less than 20 minutes left in the show is 646-595-2118, 646-595-2118, and I would be delighted to have anybody call in even at this late hour. Uh, these shows last 90 minutes, and it's absolutely okay if no one else joins me tonight. But I'd prefer to have a little chatter with someone who's been listening and can give me a little feedback on what they thought about the show and perhaps suggestions about what they might do better, or what I might do better, I should say, in the future. Uh, Because we will be doing shows like this occasionally, where on a night you wouldn't think there's a show, there is a show. Because we don't ever skip a night. Uh, Tonight, our theme was gratitude. The next time, it might be something else. Uh, But it will always be surrounding uh, the fact that we believe there are people out in the community who have no other place to go on, for example, a Thanksgiving Day. And we want to provide you with a place to go. You may be out there listening, and usually there are many people who are out there listening, but they're uh, reluctant to call in. I want to quell that because... Um, We all felt that way at one time. We don't anymore. And it's really helpful for me, the host, to um, hear a couple of comments at the end of the show by way of finishing the show in the sense of I've done something that meant something (laughs) to others. It meant something to me regardless because I I make a commitment and I keep my commitments these days. That may not have been true for recovery, but it certainly is now. I don't believe in making a commitment and then not showing up for it. So we have about uh, eight people, I think it is, that are, that are trained as hosts for these shows, and, uh, they, uh, and they are scheduled to come as either a host, which is what I'm doing now, or a trailer. Trailer means a person who, who is a host sometimes, but other times follows along, follows the host on the specific show to assist and support the host, we don't have a trailer tonight. Um, I was expecting someone, but they didn't show. But that's okay. I'm fully capable of doing these shows by myself. In fact, when NASCAR first began, I did a lot of these shows by myself, and eventually picked up a partner here and a partner there. Carol Levine, the current longest living, <laughs> longest uh, you know, involved partner that I have. Many of you know Carol. Uh, she's from New Jersey, and she's been doing this with me, uh, you know, maybe 13 years or something. Uh, but people have come and gone. And right now there are six or eight people who are hosts, and they share uh, 10 or more lots because there's a host and a, and a trailer for every episode, and there are five episodes a week. And then there are the three recovery group meetings on Zoom, and each one of them has a facilitator. I was today's facilitator on the Zoom meeting because we just had a, uh, a survivor who was a volunteer who left us and went off to do their own, uh, their own organization, which is fine. But uh, we're really grateful that they were with us for as long as they were. However, when somebody leaves, it leaves a hole. <laughs> and usually when there's a hole, uh, the founder, me, is the one that steps forward right away at least and takes over the responsibility so that we don't miss a beat as as much as we can. And today, I I hosted the Thursday Zoom meeting. Until we have somebody who's willing to step into that slot, uh, we will continue to, I will continue to uh, facilitate, it's not hosting, it's facilitating, and we have a a little format that we follow. But they're also 90 minutes long, so there's plenty of time for people to share and uh, we share ours, our experience, our strength, and our hope. And what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. What it was like being uh, the abuses that we went through as children. uh, What happened, uh, what it was like what happened is the trauma that resulted from the abuses that we went through as a child. And what it's like now is our recovery. So we talk about all three of those pieces of, uh, of the experience of being a person in recovery from child abuse are uh, prevention, intervention, and recovery, all three of those. Uh, we call it what, it what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today. Um, and, you know, people talk about the most amazing things. You now, the first time I heard somebody share their story, I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked because I couldn't believe a person would be that honest with a group of people they obviously didn't know everybody. You might have known a couple of people, but not everybody. And yet here they were in a public forum, <coughs> unabashedly telling us their story. And frankly, there were people in the, in the group, which was a live audience, who were laughing and slapping themselves on the side at the most horrendous pieces of the story that were being told. And I couldn't believe it. Why are these people laughing? And Well, it's the laughter of, uh, of identification, frankly. Uh, that you know what the person is talking about is right, and you identify it yourself because with it yourself because you've gone through it too. Uh, that is not unusual. Um, the the result of telling your story for the first time might be traumatic. It it, it might lift the burden, uh, the the absolute burden that you've held onto for literally decades, uh, off your shoulders. But it also might provide you with the opportunity to. Uh, just move forward for the next time you tell your show. And if you compare the two shows, and by the way, we have we enjoy people coming back to us uh, a year after they tell their story, the first time or two years after, and uh, and compare the two. How it felt the night that you told your story for the first time, and how it felt the, the, the night you told your story after nine months or a year, for a second time, will be dramatically different, and you will. Absolutely notice the growth we notice the growth before you do, but if you do it this way, you'll also notice the growth uh, that you've gone through in that ensuing year. So we recommend that that's the way you do it. You come on one night um, and nine months later, you get get back in touch with me and, and book another show. If you're interested in telling your story, it's as simple as contacting me with your email address attached. My email address is all over the website. If you write to me, and, and I'll get your email address when you do, and simply say I'm interested in um, how to become a guest, special guest on the talk show, I will send you back information. It's very simple, but um, it's profound what we do here. Uh, and I need a little bit of uh, <coughs> contact information. <coughs> um, if you've written a book, I want the URL for the book. You have a Facebook profile. We'd like you to give us that, and then of course, a description of who you are. We call that the bio. Bio is about 300 words. It's not a big deal thing. Generally speaking, think of it as a little bit about each of those things that I just talked about. Each part of recovery is important. The story that we that we have, of our abuse is the first part, and if you write three or four sentences about it, that's enough. Then you go to the second part which is how you were affected in your adulthood. That's the trauma. And you write another four or five sentences. <laughs> and finally, uh, you write about what your recovery is, what happens today, what it's like now. And again, you write three or four or five sentences about that. If you write uh, four or five sentences about any, I mean, all, all three of those uh, pieces, you've done a bio. We can't use it longer than that anyway. It really comes down to 2,000 characters, which includes the URLs, all the little things under a URL, um, all the little characters. Each one also counts. So it's not a very uh, long bio. But if you look at um, the NASCA website under the current schedule, you will see examples of bios, and you will you will. These are as long as they can be. Most of them approach the maximum amount of characters allowed, and so you'll get a sense of how, how, how long it could be. Those are the things that we need. It's very simple. And then we need you, of course, to pick a date. Picking a date is also done by looking at this calendar, of uh, the current events, current schedule, uh, because they are all listed in a gray background, very obviously listed as not yet booked. Not yet booked means that they're still open for someone to grab one of these shows. And that would be where they tell their story in the future. Um, The next one we have, for example, is on the 30th, uh, which is next Wednesday, I believe. And then after that, 5th, 7th, the 9th, the 12th seed. There's lots of them coming up in in, uh, December because I just added the month of December to our schedule. If you'd like to, you can grab any one of these you'd like that still say not yet booked and enter a gray background. And let me know, say you'd like, and I'll confirm that it's still available and write back that you, that you are now booked on that date <coughs> so that we don't double date, double reserve any, any particular date for more than one person. Um, I'm the hub for all this. And I'll collect the information, very simple amount of information. The contact information, uh, the phone number, the email address, so forth. Um, the Facebook profile, for example, URL, and and the bio. And I'll, I'll even put all that together. So you don't you have to write the kind of the raw material, then I put it together in a, in such a way that it makes sense. I am an editor by trade, so I I know how to blend things, cut things, how not to repeat things. How to, uh, how to put some things as quotes from the person and some things as facts about the person, even though they were told to me as a quote. It don't have to be a quote. And anyway, I hope that you agree that I've done a pretty good job on a lot of these stories and putting them together in such a way that they make sense. And they are uh, available to be read ahead of time, before the show. And uh, they're also what you see when you come on the show um and uh you're you're looking at the show description um, that they'll be there too. Uh, tonight's discussion was on a special topic of gratitude. There are so many things I'm grateful for but mostly i I am grateful for you, for the fellow survivor and who I didn't know before now, but I do today and if if I know you today. Um, And then together, we can go and reach somebody for tomorrow. The organization will grow and grow and grow. And uh, it it began with nothing. One person, me, who decided that he had it with trying to find a group that was appropriate and available, uh, and because he couldn't, uh, he launched his own group, uh, which is now, it's really owned by all of us, but since I'm the founder and the webmaster, i End up taking on a lot of a lot of chores, a lot of responsibilities that uh, other people actually used to to do when we set them up to begin with. Now we may slim back with some of the things that I mentioned early in the show that uh, are available, or we would like to make available. If that makes more sense, that's okay. But I doubt that we will uh, trim back on the talk shows or the recovery meetings. Uh, and, and they'll stay as long as we can keep them going. Plus the information that comes from Carolyn in London, where she reorganizes uh, she global recovery groups, which are all the recovery groups that we can find in the uh, English-speaking world. They're worldwide. It's an interactive list, where if you find a group that we don't know about, you just write it to her, write to her, she'll add it, and it'll come out on the next version of list for your state or country. Then we have a calendar of events. Calendar of events, unlike the recovery groups, uh, is specific to single events. For example, it could be something like like a march, or a rally, or a seminar, or a special event like that. And if you have one of those coming up, we want you to get in touch with Carolyn about that, and she will add your special event in the appropriate place, in the appropriate uh, space, for um, whatever your event is. And she'll put a little description there and hopefully contact information where people can get in touch with you. And we're happy to do these uh, things as long as Carolyn is willing to continue uh, both the the global recovery groups and the calendar of events. Uh, We have a little trouble with our ambassador project, which, again, was meant to be a project that we could identify a specific person in every state in the country um, in groups, and the states would be, uh, would, would be listed in those groups according to the region they're from, like New England or Southeast or something like that. And you would have a phone number and an email address for someone who we were hoping would coordinate the projects of NASCA for your state. Uh, that's, what, that's called the Ambassador Project. Depending on the state you're from, there are ambassadors in some, and there are no ambassadors in others. So you'll just have to check on what that is. We have a we have a very big interest, however, in uh, continuing uh, that project, and we'd love it if someone would come along and be a promoter for that project, coordinator for that project, because we did need that. We also have now a mobile web- website, which is at nasca-mobile.org. These are... Uh, pages that fit better on a cell phone, although, of course, you can call up NASCA.org, the regular NASCA.org, uh, on a cell phone. They display better on our mobile site, NASCA slash mobile.org. And we have promotional tools that we've delivered um, to you which you can choose to use or not for events that you'd like to hold. For example, there are cheap things, middle-range things, and more expensive things. The more expensive things are the products you might need to put together a display. The middle-range middle, middle range things are, people like, are things like T-shirts, hats, which were things that are mid-range in price. Uh, and the cheap things are things like uh, pens with our name on it, little placards that can go on a tabletop, uh, magnets that you put on your refrigerator. These are very inexpensive. The, the blue ribbons that I mentioned before. And so it's often the case that you can afford some of these things but not others, and that's fine too. And I want you to draw, finally, your attention to the highlights page, which is on the front page of the website. It's where we list a version of almost everything that we do. Quite a big list. And they link in each case, and it takes you to the spot in the, uh, in the website where that uh, item is discussed even more. So please take a look at the highlights list, and, um, and you will find things that Maybe I didn't get a chance to mention tonight. But highlights, the highlights page is definitely something I would recommend. Well, we've run out of time tonight, and I'd like to thank anybody who was listening for being there. I want to tell you that we do these shows five nights a week at 8 Eastern, uh, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, and 5 Pacific. We also do the recovery groups three times a week during the daytime at 2 o'clock Eastern. So that's 1 o'clock Central, Noon, Mountain, and uh, 11 Pacific. We'd like you to consider joining those as well, which are in the Zoom format. For the NASCAR organization, I want to thank you for being here tonight. I'll play the music and get us out of here tonight, but it was quite an experience talking about gratitude and just discovering what NASCA is all about. This is Bill Murray, the founder of NASCA, saying, may God bless you and the children of the world and God bless adult survivors of felonies. Good night, everybody. Talk Talk Radio.